Yo, Gills, can you hear me? Yeah. Dope, dope. All right, ladies and gents, welcome to Andy Podcast. This is season five. This will be, by the time you guys hear this episode, this will be season five, episode nine. <laughs> and um, I just want to say, man, like when I first started the podcast, these are the types of guests like that, that really kind of fits the criteria of my podcast. Uh, I definitely highlight hip-hop artists. I highlight those who work in the mental health field, especially social work. And these past couple years, I've, I've gotten a chance to uh, share the stage with this next artist right here. And um, I got to admit, man, like I, I share the bill with lots of artists throughout the years, of course. And when I do shows in the 818 San Fernando Valley area, uh, Northridge, North Hollywood, this is when I start running into him. And, uh, you know, it's when you see someone perform, you see like a 15 minute glimpse of what this artist is all about, but you don't really get a chance to, to hear an artist in depth until you bump their album. Next artist right here, I'm impressed. I'm definitely like, whoa, like the, the album had me feeling like he's underrated. The name of the album is called Lethal Intent. Not only he is an MC, but he is also a licensed uh, marriage and family therapist. And he's also had some experience working with kids with autism, That's which is my line of work. And without no further ado, ladies and gents, man, we're going to get into hip-hop and mental health tonight. Uh, without no further ado, I'm going to stop talking. We got Gills in the house. What's up, man? Hey, what's going on, Marlon? Thanks for uh, taking the time, bro. I appreciate you. I appreciate you having me on, man. Thank you. No, no doubt, G. All right, man. I take it back to day one with all my guests, Gills. Where are you born and raised? Sure. So I was born in uh, Ukraine in 1987. Mm. Uh, back mm. then, it was still part of the USSR. But, you know, I uh, obviously, after the collapse, it became its own country. And recently, because of world events and the war going on there, people know more about it. Um, mm-hmm. I came to the U.S. with my folks when we were four years old. We came as refugees. And uh, wow. yeah, yeah, we came, uh, you know, Kind of like literally with the clothes on our back, um, you know, it was an it wasn't a very pretty situation there for people of uh, Jewish heritage. You know, there's a lot of anti-Semitism, so we were able to get refugee status and we came over, um, and you know, we settled in sunny Los Angeles, and um, I pretty much grew up here um, in LA, and so, um, you know, we we went to West Hollywood. That was where a lot of the um, Holly, not West Hollywood, West Hollywood, Hollywood area where a lot of the uh, Russian, Ukrainian and other Eastern, you know, other immigrants from the former Soviet bloc were coming in the early 90s because um, it was a mass exodus during that time. And, um, you know, there was already a community and grew up there as, as a kid. And then as a teen, we moved to the valley. And that's kind of where um, I feel where I came of age, kind of, you know, is kind of like you know I, I grew up as a kid in, in Hollywood but I grew up as a teen and, and a young adult in the valley um mm-hmm. Studio City but you know went to Van Nuys High hung out in the in Granada Hills Northridge all all that you know pretty much the whole great one eight was kind of my stopping ground and and yeah you know that's uh, that's kind of where I was born and raised crazy do you, do you still remember um, a lot about Ukraine do you remember anything about it I know you moved when you were four but do you, you still remember any memories out there? Very, very small glimpses, you know, just like little fleeting memories of snow because that was mm. pretty much like the last time that I saw snow, you know, because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it never snows in L.A., so. Mm. You still got family out there in Ukraine? Uh, I do not. Um, we had uh, we had some close uh, my parents and especially my grandparents especially had some close friends but I think they had mentioned that all of them um, had recently evacuated so yeah I hope I hope your family is safe out there bro and I hope everyone that you love is, is safe and sound you know what I'm saying no likewise uh, you know I just want everybody uh, you know all people to be as safe as possible of course yeah amen amen sir um so your family migrates from Ukraine to LA and San Fernando Valley area. What is going on in your parents' head to adjust to the new country? 
like how was that transition like for your family to just evacuate and 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 leave on not so good terms you know but and and land in a whole new country bro how was that like for you guys you know um i imagine you know and, and then of course speaking to them it, it was rough it was really rough because they they yeah. came you know my mom literally came you know with me on her back you know, yeah. me at, four, at four years old you know still you know barely coming out of being a toddler and um and yeah you know it was rough they had to acclimate to a whole new environment a whole new culture um you know none of my dad's computer degrees like really counted so he had to kind of go back and update his his credentials um you know they they were they was it was a tough it was a tough period for a while i remember you know my dad had to work as a pizza delivery guy for a minute uh, yeah. my mom was working at like a local uh russian deli store uh in yeah. the area and so it was rough and then like a year something late uh give or take a year later my grandparents from my dad's side came over uh, my my mom's mom uh god rest her soul she also came over with us so she was actually yeah. staying with us and like helping to raise raise me and stuff and then like a little less than a year later um my my paternal grandparents came over and they started helping out so you know we weren't a big family but you know we stayed together um you know as an only child so it, it was rough definitely but you know at that age it's like you're young you're a kid you know you don't really know what's going on so you're just kind of going along with with anything that's in front of you and so um you know it, it was actually i have a lot of really pleasant memories during that time it was a lot of optimism but i think that just has to do with the fact that the 90s like for me i feel was just such an optimistic decade you know oh hell yeah bro so wait what year were you born i was born in 87 okay we're, we're the same era we're, we're, we're yeah. somehow the same era man i'm 84 sure. um there's there's a lot i gotta get into wow this is crazy like okay so what was your earliest recollections of hip-hop coming into the u.s you know so, like was it was it a song that you heard uh, a video that you saw you know yeah well i remember back in the 90s uh when my mom used to drive me to school um we would listen to power 106 now this was um, <laughs> for those that don't know power 106 105.9 <laughs> is a radio station that amen, you- amen. Yeah, that used to play hip hop. I know it doesn't do so anymore. It plays mainly pop music uh, or whatever oh, people sad. consider to be hip hop now. But that's sad. Um, but yeah, yeah. But they used to play hip hop. They used to play hip hop. They actually used to play hip hop. And uh, back when it was still called techno in the nineties, they used to play actually. Radio used to be actually a really different experience back in the nineties. It was still it was pretty cool actually. But so I remember listening to you know some rap songs. Back when I, you know, back when I just, we called it rap, we didn't even call it hip hop. And um, I, I just liked the energy, you know, and I couldn't even really follow along with all the words. But I remember very distinctly Coolio. Coolio came on uh, and he was, of course, became very popular, you know, in 95 with Gangsta's Paradise. But even before that, like the year prior, there was a song that was kind of big. And it was called Fantastic Voyage. And I love mm. that song. Like, I actually, to this day, when I'm having a good day and I want to really feel like, you know, really celebrate my good mood, I-, I will put that song on. It's just, I remember that song, you know? Slide, slide, slippity slide. Slippity slide. slide. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, on the block with the 65. Yeah. I, Coolio. I, yeah. Coolio is definitely underrated. And he was just in San Diego, not, not, Maybe a couple months ago, Coolio did a show out here, and uh, I'm, oh, glad wow. he's, I'm glad he's still getting that bag. You know, um, I need to catch. Uh, I need to catch him one of these days because that is like, uh, you know, for uh, me, so so influential early on in, in my childhood, even. So yeah. Oh man, Coolio, no doubt. Like people be friends. I don't think Coolio gets his props. Um, yeah, no, it takes a thief as a classic. Yeah, that's a great album. Oh yeah, dude. Yeah. yeah. All right, so you you listen to Coolio. What, what was like the first album that you had to buy as a hip hop head? So, um, you know, I'll be honest. I never I never bought too much music. I remember like the first CD I think I ever actually bought was the Mortal Kombat movie soundtrack <laughs> because I needed to get that you know that techno theme from the movie because it was like all and I, I remember buying that and I think I, you know I bought a few more albums but I was never like that big on buying I would just listen and I think 
you know, maybe this will answer your question a different way. I, I think what really kind of got me really into listening to a wide variety of music was, I'll admit, um, I had friends, and this was like high school, like shortly, like period right after high school, that were burning me CDs. And, you yeah. know, they were burning CDs for me back when I was being done. Um, and I, I think I remember very distinctly that a friend of mine from high school at the time burned me two albums in particular. They burned me um, Enter Enter the Wu-Tang 36 Chambers and Violent by Design by Jedi Mind Tricks. And mm. I just, I remember like eating those albums up. Because I, you know, I'd listened to hip hop before, whatever was on the radio, Eminem, right? Which is, you know, it's all well and good. But I hadn't heard anything quite like it for that like underground, that real grimy stuff. And I was just, I was off ever since you know I, I i loved all types of music but i think from that point was like the turning point for hip-hop becoming personally my favorite genre of music the, those two albums in particular yeah nice so like let me ask you this dog uh, mm-hmm. around what age did you start writing rhyme, or which one came first writing rhymes or freestyling i ask all the MCs this sure uh you know i will openly admit i was actually practicing some freestyling with friends from time to time but it wasn't anything like regular so it was just sometimes i was hanging out with certain people and so i would just try my hand at freestyling but it was never really something that was like you know i was doing regularly it was just on rare occasions but um in terms of consistency i started um writing and you know and, I, and, I, and i'll openly admit this this was back in 2015 um i you know i I had struggled with with drug addiction for a lot of my 20s and uh i remember i i had gone to a treatment program um and and then you know around somewhere somewhere around that time i started writing and that was one of those things that got me really really peaked on it because i was in there with actually a guy um you know, I don't want to. I don't want to put his name on blast, but he was he was a dude that I'd been in other programs with, and he was kind of like he was doing writing bars and, and spitting too, and so he kind of like inspired me to like, well, you know, why don't I try my hand at it? You know, I've always loved hip hop, and so that was one of the things that you know I, I picked up because you know hip hop had really gotten me through some dark times. Yes, and yes, I was hearing the stuff on the radio, and I was listening to you know the underground stuff that I was bumping. And I was just thinking, like, well, I'm hearing this stuff on the radio. I'm pretty sure I could do better. I'm not. I don't know if I could do as well as some of my some of my heroes, some of you know these icons that I really yeah. admire for their craft. But pretty sure I could do better than what I'm hearing on the radio. You know. Yeah. Nice. And so, and, and that was pretty much pretty much it. So it was it was you know around that time that I started writing. Um, you know, really had had a lot of time, obviously. So I started writing, and you know, shortly after that, I started. Uh, to like record some stuff, uh, put it up on SoundCloud, you know, do that sort of a thing. And then just a few years later, um, started performing in the Valley. And then that's that. Nice, dude. Let me ask you this. Okay, so Mm -hmm. you graduate high school and what was your plan in your mind and what actually ended up happening? Well, after I graduated high school, my plan was to um, do well in college, go 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 the pre-med route uh, and or, or pre-dental and become a successful doctor or dentist and live happily ever after with my trophy wife. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and, and I'm being kind of I'm being you know a little funny, but at the same time serious. You know, I, I used to really. <laughs> I used yeah. to really pursue a lot of things that, you know, I, I don't even know why I decided that that would, was what I wanted my goal to be. I, I think it was just just kind of like what I thought was going to make me happy, um, not really based on any ideas that I had, but just rather of, you know, what my what my parents told me, what the world around me was telling me and stuff like that. And I realized that, you know, you know, happiness is an inside job. You really got to figure it out for yourself what's going to make you happy and um but that was the idea at the time after high school um what ended up happening was you know i went for two years to community college 
um, transferred to um, UC San Diego. Shout out to uh, to your city, man. Uh, nice, nice. And you know, and and I was you know majoring in biology at the time, molecular biology. Uh, unfortunately, around that time is you know when I really started to um, kind of hit a lot of walls. I uh, was really, really badly addicted to. Uh, to heroin for a good number of years, man. Uh, you know, it was it was it was a pretty dark period of my life. Uh, honestly, for a while, wasn't sure there was going to be a lot of hope for me. Um, but I guess God had other plans for me, you know. And I'm and I'm grateful, and you know, I try to remind myself of that every day. But you know, that was basically what happened. And you know, I started dropping out of, of college and um, not doing so well. I had a few run-ins with the law. And uh, basically, yeah, you know, I, I kept eventually I, I hit this you know, emotional bottom and, you know, realized like, OK, either I'm, I'm going to die or I'm going to have to find another way to live because this just isn't working. So, yeah, brother, first of all, I want to say thank you for sharing your story. Um, I want to say thanks for like sharing like like some parts of your lives. It's, that's not so easy to share. It's not easy to share that we're addicted to something it's not easy to share that we we had run-ins with the law so i want to thank you man for being open to the viewer and to the listeners um it makes this you know it makes this interview more interesting because prior to me talking to you you know it's like i never knew that you you was born in ukraine and and the the drug addiction but it makes this interview even much more like wow dude this i love getting to know my fellow mcs man because everybody got a story bro everybody you know and like when you hear an artist's story, you you appreciate their music even more. You know what I'm saying? And um, yeah. I was listening to one of your songs. Uh, I, I believe it was track 13, and uh, it's called or track 12. It's called "A Quiet Life," and I yep. love that. I love the first verse. It pretty much like runs down your story and um, about West LA and, and just growing up in the valley. Um, let, let me ask you this, dog. Uh, because we'll, we'll get into hip-hop for sure. Because, l- ladies and gents, for all those tuning in, man, the, the album the album Lethal Intent, like, like a real MC can recognize a real MC when he sees one because you definitely understand rhyme schemes, metaphors, analogies, patterns, rhyme patterns, the, the wittiness. Uh, it's it's there, man. You got it. You know what I'm saying? Um, uh, that's, that's a good thing because, you know, your album is a is a reflection of you, representation of who you are, man. And and the beats you chose to rap on, it's like, word, I respect it, bro. Thank you, man. Thank you. Yeah. Um. Okay. So, how? <coughs> Sorry about that. I was smoking, having to sash myself. You know what I'm saying? Um. It's all good. <coughs> Sorry about that. So, how how long were you addicted? heroin well i uh you know in terms of like years i I mean you know here's the thing i it's hard to say like as a time length because i would basically go into treatment programs and i you know i'd stay clean for a period and then i'd go back and and so you know it, it was like you know a good chunk of time anywhere between i don't know five to 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 seven years, you know, I, I never like did the math down to a T, but it was one of those things where, um, you know, I I would use and I would go to rehab and, you know, I'd come out and then I would, you know, relapse slash use. I don't even want to say relapse sometimes because sometimes I wasn't even in recovery. I was just, you know, just not using for a period of time because there's a fine line between being sober and actually being in recovery. Um, you know, I, I'm a firm believer of that, but that's, you know, that's just my kind of view on it. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, that being said, you know, it, it was, I, I spent, you know, most of my twenties, man, sad to say mm-hmm. good chunk of them, you know, going in and out of treatment programs and then, you know, going back to my addiction and um, yeah, you know, it's, it's just finally kind of hit this point after it, it didn't take, thankfully, you know, a lifetime. I'm grateful for that, but you know, I just want to say, you know, it's never too late, obviously. It's anybody could always turn it around. But, you know, for me, it took what it took. And it just took, you know, a better better part of my 20s to kind of run amok until I finally realized, like, all right, you know, either either I get this or, or I'm going to spend the rest of my life in jail slash prison or I'm going to be dead. So, you know. What have you learned about yourself going into these programs? 
what have you learned about yourself as far as triggers and stressors in your life that that will have you go back to it like what did you learn about yourself through recovery bro well i think for me you know the biggest trigger is just not being emotionally content with mm. where i'm at in life mm. you know i mm. i think we always strive to to try to get something better and there's nothing wrong with setting goals but there's a fine line between working towards something better and just always being dissatisfied with where we're at in life and so i think for me that was always like the big thing for me you know i always felt um insecure i always felt out of place uh, just never comfortable in my own skin and i think like that's what i hear other addicts also talk about is mm. that you know it's a very common feeling and you know we always think ourselves that you know we're we're the odd man out nobody really gets us but really that's i found i've come to find that that's a universal human feeling that's a that's a universal human experience that we we all feel uncomfortable from time to time and sometimes for long periods of time in our own skin and we all feel like nobody quite gets us but it's actually you know they do they do and and everybody understands what it's like and it's just i i think in the grand scheme of things it's all about just learning how to see the similarities in each other and um and so i i think for me like that's what i realized um you know i'm not here to advocate one way of getting sober over another i can just only only say on my behalf you know i i found a, a program that you know is a very widely known program a spiritual program that worked for me um you know it was all about just kind of getting in touch with a god of my understanding and building a relationship with them and and that's something i'm continuing to do day by day you know mm, i love it um there's a thin line between addiction dependency or sometimes we're just some kids in their 20s having fun you know what i'm saying absolutely like, yeah like there, you know like, there were some great times I, yeah. I, I can't pretend like yeah absolutely like sometimes because yeah. i'm 37 now and we're from the same era you're 34 yep. i gotta admit us, us growing into our manhood we look back in our 20s like like some of that shit was just straight up young having fun trying sure, things sure. you feel me um looking back in retrospect when we're in our 30s now do you think and the reason why I ask is because I know how I am. I know how I know my struggles. I know my demons. I know how I cope. I know my defense mechanisms. You know, like, do you think looking back, you were numb? You were trying to numb some kind of internal or emotional pain that you didn't know how to numb it. Maybe the pain was so strong you had to numb it with something. You know, looking back, was that was that a part of the issue? like constantly trying to numb something for sure you know like you know a- absolutely and you know i yeah. think for a long a long period of time it was and mm. you know as mentioned it's just a lot of discomfort um mm. a lot of not feeling like i fit in not feeling like i was a part of and I-, i think definitely at some point and i can only speak on my behalf i i think you know i, I acquired and this is just my view on it you know everyone's got their own view on addiction i definitely acquired this um you know we can go into the scientific reason in more detail but that's you know it's a whole other topic about the neural pathways being formed and, you know and i acquired this this addiction this actual dependency where it's like okay now i i don't want to use it but now i just lost the power of choice in it you know um mm. and so and i think at, at some point it like I, ironically um you know and that's the pattern that i've learned and you know having worked with other addicts and my own story is like you know um there's a fine line between people who use substances quote unquote responsibly or even you know maybe a little irresponsibly but they can like put it down they can you know walk away from it if push comes to shove and my hats off to those people it's like and then there's people like me you know people who are like the real deal where it's like i i've i've acquired that physical allergy where once i put an inebriating substance in my body um i just can't you know i i can't walk away from it. you know all bets are off i i've, I've triggered that that craving again and i'm going to go to the wheels fall off you know um and that's just that's just me you know that's just my experience and and i and i think for me like like you met like you asked early on it was definitely to to numb a lot of stuff and then when i would yeah. get sober when i would get sober and here's the funny thing you know i'd get sober but then i'd go from a sober state of mind back to back to you know my drug of choice and so mm. it was like well clearly then 
the problem runs much deeper than just the drug use. You know, clearly mm. there's something that needs to be addressed underlying that, and and you know that's that's again why for me it's you know recovery. Um, you know, I'm recovered, but it's also an active process. Like I have to keep finding ways to grow spiritually, mm. uh, to find ways to grow. Otherwise, I'm going to be stagnant, and you know, there's always the risk that I'm going to revert back to the way I was, and so I, I can't allow that to happen. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me ask you this, Doug. Um, you know, we'll, we'll we'll get back to this, but uh, sure. How much was childhood trauma involved in numbing the pain? And the, the reason why I ask is because as as adults, sometimes we think we're over certain shit, we'll, and yeah. it'll ma- it'll manifest in so many other ways, dog. Like, I was wondering. And you know this podcast is not just about hip hop; it is about mental health. Sure. And you know, I really wanted to get you on this because I, I when we first connected at the show, I could tell like this dude's a smart dude. And when they listened to the music, I was like, "Holy oh, shit, he's a he's a fucking boom bap LMC too." That that's that's conscious of what's going on, dog. Um, how much Thank was you, yeah. childhood? How much was childhood trauma involved in like your recovery? Like you know. It- In terms of uh, you know a lot of my addiction, this was kind of became more of it, and as I did some some more work on myself, it, it was definitely a lot of it. A lot of it mm. definitely played a part. Um, you know, and, and that's and that's even the sort of thing where it's like you know my family, my parents and grandparents did the best they could, but mm. then there was the trauma of going to school, of just mm. you know being bullied. Um, and I'm not saying, of course, it's on not comparing that something like that to you know people who tragically lose their parents early on in their lives or anything like that you know but for me you know everybody has their struggles they have to face growing up and so for me and i think if most people would say like yeah you know that that's a very uncomfortable feeling when you're going to school um you know i was always you know and i don't feel weird even talking about this anymore but you know i was always the shortest kid in the class so for me it was like it was you know getting bullied especially in middle school that really le- left this kind of like scar that really took me a long time to kind of to work on healing you know to kind of mm. like forgive the people you know because it's like you know you know we're kids and everybody kind of gets gets bullied at some point maybe some worse than others it doesn't make it right but it's mm. one of those things where unfortunately maybe rather than using that experience to become a better person to stand up to you know bullies in everyday life which you yeah. know I tried to do uh, you know and help others stand up for themselves as well but then at the same time like maybe instead of doing that as much I allowed that to continually manifest itself as this feeling of just not being enough you know and so mm-hmm. now I'm an adult and now I don't feel enough like you know I'm good enough uh, for you know to achieve the career that I want to achieve and I don't mm-hmm. and I don't feel good enough to um you know ask the girl that i like out on a date you know and all this stuff and so now you know you, you you sprinkle in some some drugs and it's like well you know now i feel a lot more confident now i feel like i'm able to and then um you know and that's just kind of unfortunately the path that that my life took but at the same time i don't regret it because i don't think i'd be the person that i am today if i hadn't you know gone through what i went through so amen and i know you had some experience working working with kids with autism you did behavior therapy yep. right And yep. then from there, <coughs> sorry, from there, you become a licensed clinical therapist for a marriage and family therapist, correct? Yep. Mm-hmm. So, um, what? Where did you go for the program to get your uh, to get your um, uh, PhD or your MFT? So uh, I went. I got my master's um, at, at Pepperdine. Uh, they have a satellite, a few satellite campuses. Um, in LA, and mm-hmm. so I got I got it from Pepperdine. Um, it went from 2016 to 2018, and then after that, I you know I still so in order to get licensed, there's like a process where you have to uh, gain um, internship hours slash you know even like paid internship potentially. Um, you have like 3,000 hours that you got to take, and then you got to pass the clinical exam. So. Um, You know, it took it took me like two years, and then plus like another two years of accruing hours, um, and before I took the exam and got licensed in 2020. Yeah. Wow! Congratulations, bro! Like you must be so thank proud you. of yourself, turning your life around, bro. Um, oh, thank you. Yeah. 
it, it's a miracle, man. It's honestly, it's, it's uh, at the end of the day, I sometimes really stand in awe of, of God's grace because I amen. sometimes don't know if I even deserve this much. So, man, amen, bro. I love how, you know what, dude? I'm glad that people are not scared to praise God in the podcast, you know, because fuck that. You know what I mean? Like, we were raised to believe in God, and I love how He's a part of our lives, you know? Um, Absolutely. And I totally get, you know, people feeling uncomfortable with that. I, I like, for the longest time, I'll admit, I, I, I told people growing up that I was an atheist. Um, because, and when I, when I got sober and I did some work and I did some reflection, I realized. I don't know if I was ever really an atheist. Really what I was, was I was an anti-theist because I was angry with God, you know? And so, and that was, you know, that was the sort of thing. And and I'm of course here to preach to anybody, tell anybody else. Just for me, I, I've seen some real miraculous things happen in my life and in other people's lives that I can't deny that there's some force. Now, I'm not necessarily saying that God is like this guy with the beard in the clouds you know who just like looks down on people like that and throws thunderbolts or anything like no it's it's you know it's this force that that i truthfully am still you know still even trying to get any sort of idea about but it's something that i realize is an important force in my life and um like i said i i try to strive to to bring myself closer to my understanding of it but I would never push that upon anybody else. And I totally, and I totally get people, you know, having issues with that. And, and I respect their views on it as well. So, yeah. Nice. Let me ask you this. Uh, mm-hmm. What are the top three things you learned about autism? And we, before you answer that, how many years did you work in behavior therapy or ABA? So specifically like not as like an MFT. Cause you know, I have some, 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 some some time to time individuals that I work with on the spectrum who as a, as a licensed clinician now, but yeah. um, but that being said, like just strictly more of like the ABA slash floor time therapy, uh, I did that probably for uh, like even a little beyond me getting licensed. Yeah, so so about four or five years I was That's I was doing. That. That's yeah, it's a good yeah. minute. What are the top three things you learned about children with autism? As far as like, just what have you learned, bro? Because there's so many, we can we can go on for one more hour about yeah. this, but you know, I want to get to your album and music too. So like, what did you learn sure. about working with kids with autism? Top three things. So number one, they are freaking awesome. They are mm-hmm. awesome, awesome individuals that are super passionate their their passion just is infectious um you know i've i've honestly had better discussions with them about a lot of the stuff that i like than i have with um other neurotypical quote people you know um it's just it's awesome you know i'm a big dc marvel fan um and i just you know i've had some of the like the coolest discussions and their passion is just so infectious so they're just awesome amazing people um, that are that are capable in their own way of a lot of amazing things. Um, and second thing I learn is that uh, you know they sometimes, depending on their level of um, you know, and I don't necessarily like to use the term functioning, but kind of for ease of reference, but just you know the level that re- they require additional support or not, um, they have their their own way of communicating, and it, and it's really. Um, just because it doesn't look like the standard neurotypical way of communicating doesn't mean it's not a viable form. And I, I find that if people just, you know, stop and, and, and maybe not necessarily try to push their way of communicating and actually maybe meet the person somewhere in the middle and try to find out, you know, what is it, what are they trying to convey with their uh, ability to communicate, they'll be surprised to see how much they have to to talk about and to really find you know a common ground on and and i think um you know the third thing that i learned is that um you know there's nothing wrong with a lot of the behaviors i I know there's this popular and everybody's got their view on it i'm not trying to push this um and this might be a little bit controversial but i i think that there's a lot of times this push to make especially you know kids and adolescents that i worked with to make them look neurotypical they call it passing and I, I don't necessarily agree with that and so i think that what i learned is that it's you know it's definitely important to help them work on their skills of independence and you know help them to really you know be able to advocate themselves and communicate but 
Um, I think that the thing that I learned is that there's nothing wrong with stimming. There's nothing wrong with, um, you know, some of the behaviors that they engage in as a part of who they are as, as individuals. Um, you know, and it's just, I think it's one of those things where I, I had to really learn and listen to some of the neurodiversity movement and kind of come to that own real, my own realization, like, Hey, you know, there's the, not every behavior needs to be like, you know, uh, put on in extinction to use behavioral term. You know, some some behaviors are fine, and if somebody has an issue with a person on spectrum stimming or something like that, as long as they're not hurting anybody else or anything like that, that's that person's problem. So that's mm-hmm. that's kind of the three things that I learned probably that I'd really try to remind myself on a daily basis whenever I work with anybody on the spectrum. So, yeah, nice. Now let's let's talk about the album real quick. So- sure. Sure. 17 joints. What is your top three favorite on the legal intent? Oof. Ah, man. You, you, it's like you're asking me to pick if I had kids and pick <laughs> my favorite kids, man. You know? Um, I'm really proud of all of them. You know, the, the track is the album's um, um, 13 actual tracks, and there's four like audio clips that I that I put in of, of like various animes and, and stuff that I just thought sounded pretty cool and you know, little, little homages because a lot of Jedi Mind Tricks album did it, and so I kind of want to do something similar like that. In terms of 13 tracks, um, so I'm just going to go kind of what I'm thinking of currently at the moment, and it changed depending on the day. Again, I'm really proud of how all of them came out, and, and then, you know, the people that helped me work um, to produce some of the tracks and, you know, the mixing um, for the vocals, and, you know, I'm proud of all the effort that went into it, but so for me, I would say The Quiet Life is probably my favorite just yeah. because that's literally, that's, you know, and I've heard people say, and I think it really shows because, you know, there's like four tracks that are like personal and kind of socially reflective tracks. And then the other nine are like just typical hardcore battle rap style tracks that are just, you know, just bars, right? Um, and so so for me, like this one is like genuine in three verses, pretty much the true story of like, um, a lo- of like how I grew up and you know how I got how I got into my addiction and then getting clean. So I just feel like that's that I just I love it and people tell me like bro you know that beat is dope and you know and I made the beat so it, it's just something that really you know makes me feel proud too. It's like man you know I, I brushed up on some basic uh, skills in terms of using FL Studio to to com- to you know use some samples to make beats and stuff and um, I'm just really proud of how that track came out. Um, and so beyond the quiet life, I think number two for me, um, I, I really like the last track, actual track on the album, the KO. Um, I just feel like going kind of the other end of the spectrum, like that hardcore battle rap style that I'm very heavily inspired by. Um, like, I I just really like how that came together. I, I love the beat again, I made the beat for it. I'm really proud of that as well. Um, and you know, I'm just proud of like just just the bars on that track. You know, mm-hmm. just like how it all comes together, and I think it, it's a fitting uh, way to to kind of close off the album before the little outro. And then, um, you know, again, it, it's hard, it's hard. But I think the third one I would definitely have to say is Rhyme Schemes, mm-hmm. um, because that track actually I I wrote um, like at least two two plus verses from that track were actually written like back in 2016 uh, when i was when i was first kind of like early on getting into writing and you know i kind of was laying dormant in my rhyme book i actually recorded it on like this like prototype version using um i think i had spit over and i used to perform it at shows over this is war which is a a 7l uh, esoteric army of the pharaohs beat and so i used to spit it over that and so then I went back for the album. It's like, you know what? I, I really like these these verses, man. This is dope, actually. And even though I wrote it a long time ago, um, but I have to, you know, come up with a different beat. So I made, again, I, I found a sample that I really liked and I made a beat um, and then, you know, kind of changed up the the tempo of, you know, Mike checked it a bit, the verses to to the new beat. And I just really like it. And it's just, you know, four, four verses, you know, with the hook interspersed, but four, like, you know, 64 bars of death. You know, like it's just yeah. like heavy, a heavy hitter juggernaut, um, and and I think like this fellow MC friend of mine who actually helped me work on the album. And if I can give a quick shout out to Frank Yola, I think you met him. He was at the show. Um, you know, even he was like, dude. You know, in my opinion, that that sounds like your signature track because that that's what Gill's about. You know, just bars and bars. You know, and yeah. uh, so 
yeah the, and again I, and i love all the tracks you know scary individuals um you know shout out to you know crazy kalo he produced the beat for that and it's just an awesome 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 track um you know i've got urge seven on it i've got you know frank yola too and then in i really kind of, very yeah. good. i really no, like no. the song track five with mike myth um oh rap mafioso yeah you know you know I shout out to mike 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 niff is, is like one of those dudes he's like one of the hardest you might just be the hardest hustling mc in the valley um i always see that dude just posting showing like how he's out there grinding selling his albums and his real I big know. inspiration and i actually was featured on his album that track's actually from his album but he was cool enough and i asked him like hey man is it okay if i put it on my album too and he's like yeah man go ahead and you know and the producer crazy kalo who did the bees you know awesome as well I've, it's cool with the two yeah but no I've that's a joke yeah i've done some shows with mike Nith and santa Ana. Um, oh yeah he's yeah. i've done some shows with him since since my college years too like so yeah he's he's been he's been around for a minute um, yeah yeah let me so let me ask you this dog um production wise uh i thought that it was really it was really good um it was solid beats um what's your thoughts on marketing and branding in 2022 like I, the reason why i ask is because there's just a lot of us you know doing this and what are some of your ways in in marketing yourselves that works for you or branding yourself sure well i you know i i think i guess i can preface that before actually directly answering if you don't mind um i guess it depends on the goal uh, I mean, I'll be honest for me, man, and this is just, and I, and I don't knock anybody else's hustle. I know a lot of other MCs have different goals. I'm, I'll be the first one. I'm not really trying to like, you know, make this like a viable career or anything like that. I just want to do, I just want to do what I want to do. You know what I mean? I just want to, I just want to do what I love with it, work with as many people as I possibly can and just really just do it for, for the love of it. I'm not saying that others should do it for you know, actually trying to make a career don't love it. Just for me, it's like, I, I honestly don't, you know, I got another career I'm focusing on. So in terms of marketing for me, um, my thoughts are, and this is just like my, my thing on it is I, I try to like, I, I don't even honestly tell everybody that I do it. Um, you know, I tell a lot of people if, if it gets brought up, you know, in conversation or whatever, but I don't even like tell everybody I meet about it. it you know, for me, it's just a matter of like, I, I tell the people that I feel would be interested in knowing, you know, um, but I'm not trying to shove it into people's faces. I get people are busy nowadays. It's just the way it is. You know, everybody's got their lives to live. And so for me, you know, I, I try to like post videos on my IG, post it on my fa my music Facebook. You know, I got I got a, a, a certain music Facebook for gills and stuff separate of my personal one. And so that being said, um, I, I try to do that. I try to obviously promote on you know repost stuff on shows i used to text people shows because i was so excited when i started performing and you know i still get excited but i realized like hey you know what maybe i should like cut down in terms of like not texting everybody and their moms you know a flyer for the show because like hey you know not, not everybody might be really interested in you know coming out and i'm not saying that they don't want to support it's just you know they're busy they got their own stuff going on i get that so for me i, I think in terms of marketing um, I think the biggest thing is you have to have, for me at least, you know, people who want to ask me to come perform or any other MCs that want to ask to, you know, work with me, etc. It's about them understanding what I stand for as an artist. And I think that's like one of the biggest things is that people need to know what you stand for. And I don't want to get like too, too deep into it, but it's like, it's something that's really personal to me in terms of being an artist myself is like. I respect all genres of music. I mean, I love ska. I love EDM. I love rock. I love every, uh, you know, pretty much like almost every genre, you know, I, I can find stuff I like about it. But that being said, as a hip hop artist, I, I feel I want to stay true to what hip hop means to me, you know? And I know there's a lot of like differing opinions on that. You know, for me personally, I know a lot of a lot of people are like doing trap, you know, and I and I get it, and I, and I totally respect that, and you know, I, I mess with it, I I, I get it, you know, I, I totally respect that. For me, that's not me personally. I I don't I don't I don't I don't do trap beats, you know, and I I like I like the production. I just I don't do that in that that style overall. It's just not me. And so for really? me, like 
I like you're saying like that boom bap, that lyrical style. Um, you know, that's that's what I try to espouse as as an artist. Like, yo, if this is who Gills is, if if you don't like it, hey, I totally get it. You know, there's thankfully lots of different types of hip hop and different types of music out there in general. I get it. My hat's off to you. You know, go go find somebody that that you want to listen to. But you know, I'm if you're looking for somebody who's who's going to be doing like a trap club anthem, like no, I. I I don't do that. So let, me, like, let, yeah. so let me yeah. So let me ask you this, Gills. Um, sure. From the mental health perspective, I, I really want to address the elephant in the room. You know, there's a lot of things going on in the news right now, sure. <coughs> and I gotta address this because he is part of our hip hop community. He's a big pillar in the hip hop community, an icon and a legend. I have a no, feeling I know who you're going to mention. I know, but hold on. <laughs> Let me hold <laughs> from, from a mental health perspective and from a hip-hop perspective, mm-hmm. I got to address this because we got to look at it from a from a, from from the mental health point of view. Like, man, one of the greatest actors of all time is having a complete meltdown on national TV. And what's what's your thoughts, bro? From a mental health standpoint... <laughs> you know, I, again, I, I imagine you're you're talking about the recent uh, yeah. incidents. Yes. Uh, yes. 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 You know, I think we were both talking about the same person. Uh, mm-hmm. So, I, you know, I view it the same way. What what I think of somebody yes. like yeah. Kanye West, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, Kanye West obviously was was. Uh, I, I can't speak too much because obviously I'm not. I'm not his therapist. I'm not his treating psychiatrist or anything. Um, so there's only only symptoms that I see from afar, right? Um, but what I can tell, you know, similar to that is, yeah, it, it just reminds me for myself how important it is to treat um, to treat the daily stressors. Correction. How 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 to cope with the daily stressors of our lives because i don't know obviously anything about this person i don't know if he has something that that could be actually a diagnosis or not i don't want to even speak to that because you know like i I can't you know i don't know i all i see is something that happened on tv and that's not enough for me to go off and say ah he for sure has this diagnosis no i I can't do that but what i can tell is obviously this is somebody who um you know is having a difficult time in coping with a lot of stressors, yeah. you know, I, I don't, I don't know. I'll be, I'll be the first man. I don't, I don't read a lot about that, you know, celebrity gossip. So I, I don't know the full extent of, of what went on in this relationship with his significant other or anything like that. But all I can see is just, you know, this is obviously a person who's behaving in a way that really is just, you know, is struggling. And, and I just, you know, I hope obviously, you know, I don't want anybody to be adversely affected by their actions. And at the same time, I, I would want this person um, just like I would want me or anybody else to, you know, get whatever whatever help they need to get to to be able to better cope. And so that's kind of, you know, all, all I have to really say on that, because I just again, I, I, I can't speak too much because I don't know, you know, the full details of what's going on with this person. But all I can say is at the end of the day, we all need to have healthy coping mechanisms, you know, mm-hmm. or we're going to snap just like that on national TV. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, he's part of the hip hop community for sure. He definitely elevated. I'm a big fan of uh, Chris Rock too. You know, um, yeah. definitely uh, icons, icons. You know, oh yeah, just, you know, Fresh was Prince a, was such an was, icon of hip hop. Yeah, yeah. There's just a whole generation of us that was that grew up under Will Smith and uh, just yeah. become became fans and um, you know. It's so important for us to take care of ourselves, man. <laughs> it's, Absolutely. Absolutely. It's like, it's so important to have self-care and love yourself and treat yourself out and celebrate yourself, man, and and take care of whatever you got to take care of because we will blow up and snap. We're humans, you know? Um, let me ask you this. Before we get off, what is your advice for upcoming MCs out there or no no you know what scratch that what's your advice for all those who are currently recovering or suffering from addiction 
What, yeah, what would be what would be the top three tips for so, them? So that's uh, you know, just just three. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll try to I'll try to you know summarize. So since you know it's fresh on my mind right now because we were just discussing it, um, you know have have a number one have some sort of creative outlet. You know, life is really really difficult when you don't have that any sort of creative outlet. Um, you know, for me, you know, obviously music is a big one. And, and if I, and if I could just, you know, even comment on that, it's like, you know, listening to a lot of my music and I just want to make clear, obviously, and I hope it goes without saying that, you know, a lot of it, you know, some of it is personal, like any art is, and some of it is just like, it's just a character that I play. You know what I mean? It's just, it's, it's just stuff that's, it's not necessarily representative of the kind of person that I am or the kind of person I think somebody should be. It's just bars that, that sound cool. And then, you know, sometimes even I would say, you know, you, you want to play the villain in your music, you know? So it's just, it's just art. And then other times you have a track like the quiet life where I can really just put out like a hundred percent, like, yo, this is me. This, these are my struggles and, and this is, you know, what it took to overcome, you know? And so I think it's just important to have that. And then at the same time, you know, the more, hardcore style it's like yo you know just me a lot angry my dad always jokes around and says like yo man you sound so angry on those tracks lighten up and i'm like yeah. no dad but that's like that's that's kind of like the, the style you know it's hardcore this isn't like this isn't you know i'm not advocating you know <laughs> calling anybody calling anybody the b word or, or anything like that like this is just a character it's just like you know scarface sometimes it's cool to imagine yourself like this certain badass villain character and then you know other times you want to be really truthful and really thoughtful about you know uh about putting something like really dear, near and dear to your heart you know but all of it is is a creative outlet ultimately that i highly encourage people especially in recovery and it's something that i've seen a lot um actually even here in la especially right where so many people uh you know this is a big thing i you know i, I go to meetings and so many people i've run into are doing music and i think it's just so awesome because i i guess the technology has you know finally caught up to a point where you know people with a passion can, can actually do something like that you know um so that would be my my first thing if, if i was talking to myself and giving myself advice early on and the next probably big thing that i would say uh for people who you know are either you know recovering or recovered but still working you know to try to maintain their sobriety or or or, or any other sort of recovery from mental health issues um is to give yourself a break you know and it's something that that's a really you know i'm sitting here actually thinking about it, it it's easier said than done because i probably beat myself up mentally more than 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 i should you know i, I even even at you know with all the time that i have so clean and sober um it's still like you know i still sometimes wake up like man you know why am i not at this point in my life why why didn't i you know achieve this like look at that guy you know and it's and it's very easy to start comparing your insides to other people's outsides and, and that's a very very slippery slope again from my own experience and from what i heard other people say so give yourself a break you know go go easy easy does it you don't you're not running a marathon this isn't a race to see who's going to come out first um you know your life is your life and you know a lot of times it was really difficult for me until somebody actually one of the treatment programs asked me what would make me happy and i said well you know having a mansion you know having a pretty trophy wife and it's like and he asked me why do you think that would make you happy and i didn't have an answer to he said, let me guess, you saw it on commercials and in movies and you just thought like, oh, well, that's what I need to make me happy. And it's the truth. You know, we, we get fed so much BS about what should make us happy by people that are trying, you know, to sell us something, essentially. So I think it's important to just go easy on yourself and, and not constantly be comparing yourself to somebody else or, or, or something that you see on social media because it's not reflective of, of what reality of what real life is like, you know, real life goes up and down, you know, the moods ebbs and wanes and, and just, it's just, yeah. I mean, that's, that's probably the second thing. And the last thing I would say, um, is, you know, be compassionate towards people. You know, be compassionate towards people. And I'm not here to, you know, be political or anything like that. But it's something I've noticed recently um, amidst a lot of people. You know, there's a lot of division in the world today. 
you know, obviously, you know, we talked about this, you know, the country that I was born is being invaded right now. And, and I, I told, and I fully believe that, you know, there's, there's a time and a place, of course, you know, you need to stand up for principles. You need to stand up for ideals. If you don't stand for something, you will fall for anything. But as somebody once said, it's not how you say it. I'm sorry. It's not what you say. Sometimes it's how you say it. And, and I think that just what I've seen, and I'm not here to point fingers or tell or, or tone police or do anything. It's just something that I've seen that the world seems to be really lacking in a lot of compassion lately. And, and, and I hold myself accountable to that as well. You know, and, and I'm not I'm not immune for it. There are plenty of opportunities that I can do better. And so one thing I'll say is, you know, of course, going off the second advice, you know, go easy on yourself and and try try to find ways to not be so harsh with each other. Because, you know, one of my favorite quotes is is uh and i don't know i'm probably butchering this quote but i remember hearing somewhere i guess it's, it's a famous saying something along the lines of in truth all wars are, are civil wars because all men are brothers and, and i've just always liked that and so I, I just think again you know go go find a creative outlet go easy on yourself and, and try to look for the similarities not the differences between you and your brothers and sisters so and that's pretty much what i would suggest Man, that's, that's awesome, bro. Yo, man, um, I've just been thinking about, like, you're right. We got to take it easy on each other, dude. Um, it was a perfect example of, like, the, the example that I gave you. Someone thinks they're just making a mild joke. Yeah. Someone thinks it's just, I'm going to joke like I always joke tonight. And I'm gonna be joking like I always do, and it's gonna be all good, and it's gonna be it's gonna be received well. And nah, dog, you never know what you're triggering into the other person. You never know, you know, like you never know what the other person's going through, dude. And I feel for both, and I keep bringing this up because I'm gonna tell you this, dog, like I feel like sometimes nobody gives a fuck about man's mental health. It's not a. It's not talking like, about it. That's for sure. Like our struggle, how yeah. we might we might just fucking snap, and um, it was on full display for the whole world to see how someone will really snap and commit a crime. Because Chris Rock could easily sue you right now, and the Academy too, you know. And like, uh, it was just, I don't know why I don't think. Whether he likes it or not, he's connected to the hip-hop culture. He sure. represents he represents hip-hop still. And that yep. was a, and you know what? If you represent hip-hop at, at, at the Academy and you did that, we all took an L. It was a bad representation of, our, of, of, of hip-hop because you know no matter how famous he got, man, he started from the, he started from the hip-hop culture, man. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the real roots of the Fresh Prince. You feel me? Like, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, twenty twenty two kids just think this is an academy academy winning actor, but to us, nah, nah this is Fresh yeah. Prince. This is Fresh so, Prince. <laughs> I remember him more. I remember him more for his music than I do from a lot of the stuff that he acted in. Absolutely. I mean, it's just that's that's who he, he that's who he is that's who he was he was will smith he wasn't just an actor he was he was a music artist yeah absolutely and i feel for chris rock i yeah. i it almost seems like chris rock is it's like man we with anything we got to worry about how that how that triggered him because he was he was very open about getting bullied throughout his whole life and just you know just the way mental health in america right now it's so needed to be talked about, dude. Like, I don't know. Life has never been quite the same after COVID. <laughs> and, you know, um, it, it, it might just, never be. You know, it just know. yeah. The world changed. The country changed. Yeah. Uh, it's just a different world now, man. And uh, I'm just glad that there's still some MCs out here that represent something and stand for something and got a message behind them, bro. And uh, man, thank you so much for joining the podcast, dude. I appreciate you, Gills. Any other shout out? Yo, to everybody tuning in, cop that album, The Legal Intent by Gills, all right? For all those tuning in for Andy Podcast, I'm going to be putting the album name and, and where you can find them on Instagram in the, in the episode description. 
And I want to say thanks to everybody that's been supporting us. Shout out to all my folks in the 818 San Fernando Valley, all the MCs out there. Yo, shout out to Eighth Kind, Curfew, uh, Robbery, Underground Rising, Do It For Music, everybody, man. One love to the whole community, hip hop. Any any shouts, any shout outs to go? Man, you know, you, you cover pretty much the whole valley, man. I don't know if there's anybody <laughs> like that. Uh, you know, I already gave shout outs to, you know, Mike Niff. Uh, you know, the yeah, Mike that, Niff. Yeah, yeah. People helping work on, on the project, uh, you know, Crazy Kalo, Art 7. Uh, Frank Yola, who you know, who you you bore witness, was able to perform Valley Days with me at the the show that I saw you last. Um, you know, just shout out to all the homies, and, and you know, shout out to to my family, and just and just shout out to anybody out there who's just doing the best they can day by day. So, you know, yo man, I'm gonna hit you back right now, all right? To uh, to everybody tuning in, thank you for tuning in to Empty Podcast. We did it. See y'all next week. All right, one love.